Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Apostle John is addressing a crisis in the churches. False teachers have arisen. And people have followed them, leaving the fellowship of the Christian church. We read in 1 John 2 verse 19, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are not of us. And with their departure, the danger isn't yet gone. They have still been influencing church members. They claim to have fellowship with God, but they deny that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. They don't acknowledge that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. And such a denial undermines the teaching of the apostles concerning the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ for our sins. And the Apostle John points to the necessity of faith in Jesus Christ as the incarnate, that means flesh and blood, Son of God. And through faith in Him, we have eternal life and live in fellowship with God. The Apostle wants to strengthen his readers in this faith. In this way, they will have the assurance and joy of salvation. And it's important not only for those first readers, but also for us to know what it means to have fellowship with God. We live in the same world as the Apostle. Times have changed, but it continues to be a struggle to lead a Christian life amid the temptations of this world. And what the Apostle writes is to help fellow believers to live in true fellowship with God. And what he writes is relevant for us too. And the Apostle John begins by stressing the first-hand experience that he and other disciples had of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The facts concerning Jesus Christ must be known and understood. Only then can we appreciate the benefits of salvation. And to put it differently, doctrine forms the basis for the Christian life. You must grasp the Word of God with your mind before it can affect your will and your life. And so we come to the theme for this morning. There is great joy in fellowship with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we'll focus on two points. The foundation of this joy, and secondly, the experience of this joy. There is great joy in fellowship with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We'll focus on the foundation and secondly, the experience of this joy. <clears throat> in this first letter, the Apostle John focuses on the beginning. Look at verse 1. 
that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. Those opening words about that which was from the beginning remind us of the opening words of John's account of the gospel. We read in John 1 verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John's statement reveals to us something about God as a triune God. In the beginning, there was not only the Father, there was also the Word who was with God in the beginning. And note how emphatically he states that the Word was God. As John continues, we see that he is writing about the Son of God. The Son of God came into this world, taking our human nature upon himself. We know him as Jesus Christ. In his first letter, John now brings up this theme once again. He reminds us of that which was from the beginning. And again, he's speaking about the incarnate Word of God, God's only begotten Son. John writes about which we have heard. That reminds us that the Son of God spoke. He adds, which we have seen with our eyes. The Son of God came in the flesh. People could see him. And John isn't talking about an abstract idea, mere words that he has heard. He emphasizes that Jesus Christ had a body. He could be seen and felt. He had a mouth that could speak words that people could hear. And John is emphasizing that we must focus on Jesus Christ in the fullness of his being. We must understand who he is and what he has said and done. Who is Jesus Christ? He is the eternal Son of God. He was already there at the beginning of this world. He was not part of this created universe. But he entered into it, conceived by the Holy Spirit, and born of human flesh and blood. And by his very coming into this world, the Son of God became a living testimony of God's love. But he also testified of God's love by many words and deeds. Jesus Christ showed that he is the promised Messiah, the Savior of his people. And we have the privilege of reading first-hand accounts about him written by his disciples. And the first readers of our text need to be aware of the facts about Jesus Christ. That would enable them to reject the teaching that denied his coming in the flesh. The words of our text continue to be valid for us too. Here we have a statement from an apostle who saw Jesus Christ, who walked with him and talked with him. 
John knew beyond a doubt that Jesus was a true human being. But also, much more than that. After his death and resurrection, our Savior commissioned his disciples to go into the world to proclaim the good news of salvation. And that proclamation is a proclamation of the word of life. As such, it focuses on Jesus Christ, the incarnate word. And the pages of the New Testament highlight the truth of his words. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's John 14, verse 6. And this truth resonates in our text. Many religions focus on appeasing a deity and also seek to get blessings from him. And they have elaborate rules how to do this. And the tendency can also arise among Christians. Then they see the Christian faith as seeking to appease and please God by following rules in order to be blessed by him. And the Bible makes it clear that fellowship with God is only possible on God's terms. And God exposes our sins and sinfulness. He reveals our inability and unwillingness to submit to him. Why? Because he wants us to understand his solution to our sins and misery. Jesus Christ, the incarnate Son of God, is the only way of salvation. He paid the price to atone for our sins and obtain peace with God for us. Through faith in him, we receive eternal life in fellowship with God. What's eternal life? Is it an indefinite continuation of this life? No. It's much more than that. The term refers to a radically different life. In the Garden of Gethsemane, during the high priestly prayer of our Savior, we hear him speaking of it to the Father. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Hold on to that thought. Eternal life is life in fellowship with God the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We have that now, and it will last forever. Without Jesus Christ, we can't have fellowship with God or experience genuine joy in faith. We must therefore know who he is. And this involves understanding the doctrine, the teaching of Scripture. Having received and grasped this teaching, we need to believe in Jesus Christ, putting our trust in him. And that's the purpose of the testimony of the apostles. Once it affects our minds and hearts, there's an impact on our will. Our lives change. 
We learn to live as his followers, as children of God, our Heavenly Father. When you talk with other people about your faith, explain that you're not passing on your own private opinions. Focus on the testimony of Scripture concerning Jesus Christ. (coughs) Point out that this testimony is rooted in history. We're speaking about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who has come into this world. Unbelievers must be confronted with him as he is revealed through the Bible. Remember the words of the Apostle John at the beginning of our text. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And consider that proclamation in the light of what happened after the death and resurrection of Christ. The disciples had a hard time believing that he arose from the dead. John reports how Thomas reacted to the news from the disciples. We have seen the Lord. And he responded, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. And John then tells us what happened after that. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, and see my hands, and put out your hand, and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And that was a turning point for Thomas. He responded, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And the Apostle John testified to the fact that they heard and saw and touched Jesus Christ. He reminds us in John 20, verses 30 to 31, of his purpose in recording some of what they witnessed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. And John's purpose in writing the words of our text remains the same as when he wrote his gospel account. He wants his readers to take this testimony seriously. We must believe in Jesus Christ. In doing so, we receive eternal life. Never forget the approach taken by the Apostle John. He begins his letter by emphasizing the importance of the facts 
These facts form the foundation for our faith. Sometimes we feel upbeat, and at other times we may be despondent. The truth of the Christian faith does not, however, depend on how we feel. Our feelings are not a reliable measure of the truth. They can and should always be anchored in and supported by the truth. Consider the facts concerning the coming of Jesus Christ. Our Savior is the very Son of God. And we know him through the testimony of the Scriptures. Through Jesus Christ, we have fellowship with God, our Father. And those facts must shape our convictions and govern the course of our lives. They lead to joy. And there's great joy in fellowship with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we've paid attention to the foundation of this joy. And let's now focus on the experience of this joy. This is our second point. The joy of faith is based on facts relayed to us through Scripture. It's also maintained by letting those facts continue to affect us. And that's why, that's what we must embrace and also get across to others. The joy of fellowship with God motivates John to speak to others. But joy is a byproduct. It's the result of the glorious truth concerning how God has opened the way to fellowship with him. People try to be happy in different ways. Sometimes they do that by closing their eyes to reality. The joy that comes through fellowship with God, however, is different. We don't cultivate this, this joy, by closing our eyes to the world. Evil and suffering are widespread. And they can get us down if we only focus on such things. We therefore need to keep the right perspective. Focus on what God has revealed about living in fellowship with him in this world. And doing this leads to joy. Christian joy isn't a goal in itself. It's a product of our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. We experience this world with all its sins and misery. We also struggle against sin in our own lives. Being Christians doesn't mean we will never suffer. The Bible doesn't guarantee that we will never have an accident. We're not immune to illnesses either. But in the midst of all this, we have the comfort of knowing God as our Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ as our Savior. God's eternal power and divine nature are reflected in the works of His hands. 
but we also know of his love. He has revealed his love by sending his only begotten son into this world to be our savior. And living in fellowship with God, we may rest secure in knowing of God's power and his love. (coughs) In Philippians 4 verse 4, the apostle Paul commands us, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. And this reminds us that Christian joy isn't a product of circumstances. It's the result of a relationship with God. On that basis, we learn to rejoice in the Lord. God can protect us from harm or turn it to our good. He gives us a future to look forward to beyond the misery of this present world. And through Jesus Christ, he opens up a perspective on heavenly joy and glory. There may be events that are stressful for us and that fill us with pain and sadness. But even in this, there can still be joy in the Lord. The condition to experience this joy is to live in fellowship with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Accept the testimony of the Apostle John concerning Jesus Christ as the word of life. Believe the testimony that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And then as we live in fellowship with God, he will enable us to find rest in him and even rejoice in difficult circumstances. Have faith in the care of our heavenly father. Trust in the love of our savior. That enables us to rise above our difficulties and move ahead in life. Relying on the testimony of Scripture, we learn to see God's hand in our lives. And there's joy in this. It doesn't form the foundation for our faith. It's the result of faith. Outside of Jesus Christ, there's no true spiritual life with God. Large numbers of people live and go about their daily activities, but are spiritually dead. But things don't have to stay that way. Jesus Christ gives the following assurance in John 5, verse 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. And this promise of life through Jesus Christ gives us reason to reach out to unbelievers with the word of God. Jesus Christ is the incarnate word of life. Any proclamation that is a true proclamation of Jesus Christ brings life with it, For those who believe. 
And the Apostle John is joyful because he knows what it means to have eternal life. He rejoices in fellowship with God through Jesus Christ. But he isn't content to enjoy fellowship with God in seclusion or in a small circle of friends. He wants others to share in this joy as well. His heart is the heart of a pastor. And this is reflected in verse 4 of our text. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Christian joy should never be turned inward to the exclusion of others. The desire to share our joy should motivate us to reach out to people around us. Having fellowship with God should motivate us to spread the good news about Jesus Christ so that they too may share in this joy of faith. Joy that is shared is not divided. It multiplies. It becomes fuller all the time. In his Sermon on the Mount, our Lord Jesus Christ reminded his disciples, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light Shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We read those words in Matthew 5, the verses 14 to 16. The light of the gospel, the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ, must become ours through faith. And then it will not only shine in our lives, it will also shine through us. Do you know the Father and the Son? This involves knowing more than just certain things about the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. It involves living in a relationship with God. And this relationship is based on the facts of God's self-revelation. He has taken the initiative to make Himself known. And his word impresses itself upon your heart as divine truth. And what is your response to that? As you embrace God's word, its truth will be confirmed in your life. You learn to trust in God and to exercise the bond you have with him through Jesus Christ. You learn to see his hand in your life. And this leads to changes. There will be joy. Light will shine from you. The Heidelberg Catechism talks about this in question and answer 90 in connection with the coming to life of the new nature. What is a sign of that new life? And the Catechism tells us, summarizing Scripture, it's a heartfelt joy in God through Christ and a love and delight to live according to the will of God in all good works. The knowledge of faith leads to the experience of faith. 
we share in the same joy of which the Apostle John speaks of at the end of our text. God is the source of this joy. And there will be joy if we remain in fellowship with him. Rely on his power and trust in his care. Live for him from day to day. Our Lord Jesus Christ gives us something to hear by having this gospel proclaimed to us. And he gives us something to see by means of the sacraments. The water of baptism can be felt. And when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we take the bread into our hands and we drink the wine. Our senses get involved, but also our hearts. We remember and believe that Jesus Christ had human flesh and blood, just as John assures us in our text. His body was hung on the cross. His blood was shed. He let this happen to himself for our sake. It was a miracle of divine grace. Jesus Christ is the Son of God, given to be our Savior. As we commemorate what our Savior has done for us, we also celebrate. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have a glorious future ahead of us. The form for the celebration of the Lord's Supper reminds us of this. We receive at his table a foretaste of what? A foretaste of the abundant joy which he has promised. And look forward to the marriage feast of the Lamb when he will drink the wine new with us in the kingdom of his Father. Let us rejoice and give him the glory for the marriage feast of the Lamb is coming. We hear the word. We make use of the sacraments. Those are the means of grace that are given to us. Our God works through these instruments. And pray that God will continue to work faith in the hearts of his people. Pray that our faith may be strengthened so that we may live and rejoice in fellowship with our triune God from day today. Amen. Let's now respond to the ministry of the word by singing together hymn 72, the stanzas one through five. <coughs>